Podcast, Episode 2, Beetlejuice. Welcome to Sequel Quest P.O.D., the podcast that dares to dive into the cinematic realms of infinite possibility with your intrepid hosts, Jeff, Justin, Jeremy, and Adam. Let the adventure begin now. All right. Well, welcome. Here we are for Sequel Quest P.O.D. Episode 2. Whether you are joining us from the nether regions of the uh, the world of the dead or just a, a suburb of Trenton, New Jersey, we're Cleveland. glad to have you. And uh, I am uh, Adam, one of your hosts here, and we are just so excited. If, if this is your first time joining us, thanks for giving us a shot. If you've come back a second time, you get a, a gold star. We, we just, uh, we're so excited to have you with us. We are uh, going to just jump right into things here, but before we uh, get going on our, our movie discussion, we actually want you to get to know another member of the team who could not join us last week. Uh, he's uh, an integral part of everything we're doing here. He's getting all the technical uh, stuff set up for us, and really, he's, he's going to be uh, another voice you're going to hear. So, uh, Jeremy, just say hello to the folks. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, how was your gig last week? Howdy, folks. I am Jeremy. I DJ some weekends, which prevents me from joining in on these amazing podcasts. The wedding went off really well. Not we, your wedding? No, unfortunately not my wedding. It's not in the near future. Ladies. I am the single man. All right. Well, there, there he is. So you, you've gotten to know him, and you're going to be hearing that voice throughout. But we got some other folks with us here, as you know. First off, it's here from Jeff. Give us a shout out. Out. Shout out. Let it all out. Yeah. yeah. That's my shout out. That's a great song. <laughs> and yeah. backing him up, we have. Also, a, yeah. I, speaking of speaking of great songs, I did. I work with uh, high school students, and I did get to show them the world famous Rick Atley's um, "Never Gonna Let You Go." Yeah, Rick Astley, "Never Gonna Let You Go." Astley, thank you. You Rick rolled them. Oh man, and that music video is just him. I, it so reminded oh, me I of know. what was his name back in high school that sang the uh, "Turn the Beat Around." Paul Paul. Uh, Tall Paul. Turn the beat the around. Music video is great. Right, this is slowly hot. but surely becoming the musical episode, I by know. the way. <laughs> and, uh, sp- all right. So uh, we'll probably cut all that. But, uh, <laughs> no, keep singing, man. He's singing great. Yeah. But uh, now uh, let's bring on Justin. You want to say hi to hey. the folks? Hey, folks. What's going on, everybody? I do have a question, actually, for Jeremy about the uh, wedding. Did did they did they go through with it? Yes, they did. <laughs> uh, she didn't like you. Didn't have one of those like she ran away or no did no you no. Get paid it's uh, if they run away. Uh, oh yeah yeah down payments, dude. <laughs> That's the way to do it. He's a professional business. It's in the folks. contract, and most it's of the, the time they pay everything up front. So nice. So you're kind of pulling for like, are you sure about this? Because well, I like to leave early. Yeah, no, it's uh, most of the time they're Mormon weddings, so the wedding is already ah. done, and then they do a ah. ring ceremony at the actual reception. So no way out. It's pretty guaranteed at that <laughs> you're point. You're in already. <laughs> Too late. All right, so uh, with that, here we are. We, we've made it. We're, we're a full crew, so we're excited to, uh, to be getting this thing off the ground today. So you know what's coming up here, folks? Halloween, just around the corner. 
So we wanted uh, to pick something a little spooky, a little fun, a little creepy uh, to talk about today. Uh, so with that, we're going to let Jeremy throw us in. All right. Today's choice of film is the 1988 classic by Tim Burton, Beetlejuice. Starring Michael Keaton, Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, Winona Ryder, Jeffrey Jones, Glenn Shaddix. All right. Wait, Why does Glenn, Glenn Shaddix get to... I know. What about... Oh. Uh, what? I don't. Was she a big deal? No, seriously. Who was Glenn Shaddix? He was oh, Otho. Was uh, Otho? Otho. I read a fun fact the other day. He said at Glenn Shaddix's uh, funeral, he actually did die in his 50s, unfortunately. What? The final song they played oh, to, to, to run it out was Deo. I, I don't See, know if he, if that was uh, in his in his in his, uh, his write up. Yeah, yeah. he wanted that, or he was well, so mad. I, we gotta. <laughs> that was the thing when I saw when you wrote this one up. Like, you gotta give a shout out to Catherine O'Hara. I mean, she's got to come above Otho. Come on now. That that's true. That's true. Ca- Catherine O'Hara was pretty amazing. She so yeah, she she yeah. I mean, and that's can I thing. just say that I watched it this week, and I watched that movie this week, and that movie still stands the test of time. It is, it's so great, it's so much fun, and it's just, it was wonderful. I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. Yeah, again. I mean, the, the the performances in that film are are just like top notch from everybody, especially you know, I I look at Jeffrey Jones to me, he was like the quintessential like. 80s villain right he was pretty much you know whether you know it was ferris bueller or howard oh, the yeah, duck totally. or stay tuned anybody remember that one with john ritter love that movie anyway yeah, man but but i mean so he he always did that he, and was, the, he, he yeah, was the devil yeah he was basically yeah the devil <laughs> who ran the tv network yeah. of hell yeah. <laughs> yeah the best part he had that that he had like this a remote control that popped up out of his sleeve and flipped around. It was so cool. Um, <laughs> but but anyway, but like, but Jeffrey Jones in this, like he finally plays like the only likable character. Wouldn't you say like, that's, I know. I think we're, su- well, no, the, the two of, well, Lydia, uh, I mean, Winona Ryder, the right. Maitlands, well, I don't know if we're supposed to, we're kind of, but Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis were likable. Uh, they're likable, but they're also like super bland. Like it's the oh, most well, boring Alec Baldwin has ever been in a movie. <laughs> it's true. And I think they were supposed to be bland. That was the whole point why they couldn't scare anybody. Right. True. Right. True. But I mean, like, you know, he pops his eyeballs out and even that seems less frightening coming from this version of Alec Baldwin. It's really strange. <laughs> Um, when he was trying to pull out a gun and just start shooting people. Yeah. That scene Wasn't he always trying to like sympathize with right? he's got the giant nose? Alec Baldwin? No, he was a good guy in the early days. That was like oh, his yeah. big deal. I guess Glenn Gary, I mean, Glenn Ross, always like he was kind of a hard, hard edge guy, but... Isn't he always like an action star or something? I mean, that's all I remember. Yeah, from, man, he was like, the shadow. Movie. Duh. Hunt for her out October. Nothing. We're talking about the it's shadow. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know that he was always an action star. Because, yeah, the shadow seems like his only. But, yeah, his turn into the gruff, like, that was more, yeah, later years in his post. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now he's the dad, the grumpy old dad or the executive. Now, now he's all that. Jeremy is going to throw us now into the in case you missed it uh, section. He's going to read that IMDb synopsis from somebody. All right. This one is written by Simon. Adam and Barbara are a normal couple who happen to be dead. They have given their precious time to decorate this house and make it their own. But unfortunately, a family is now moving in now that they've passed on. And not quietly. Adam and Barbara try to scare him out, but ends up becoming the main attraction to the money-making family. They call upon Beetlejuice to help, but Beetlejuice has more in mind than just helping. Oh, Simon. 
I just I, I love the fact that he he focuses so much on that they they spent their precious time to decorate the house and make it their own like that that was really the plot of the film. <laughs> that was the whole film, <laughs> decoration. Yeah, that that they really just interrupted. And then yeah, if you th- if you think about it, like it, I guess from an interior decorator's point of view, if they're watching this film, they're like, oh, I can't believe and this woman came in and just destroyed their whole their whole uh, design and scheme. <laughs> this is the first movie they show in interior decoration school. <laughs> All right. Um, so just that being the case, then, why don't we just let's talk a little bit about our memories of the film then. So, uh, Jeff, why don't you why don't you give us a little bit of a rundown of your history with Beetlejuice? Yeah, I feel like Beetlejuice, my guess is my first exposure to Beetlejuice. In fact, I, I feel like uh, I had a friend of mine that I grew up living down the street from. Uh, Ryan McCaffrey, and I remember he he his parents would always kind of let him watch rated R movies and stuff like that, whereas my parents were not. So whenever I would spend my spend the night over at his house, like we would end up watching some of these movies, and I was a wimpy wimpy kid. And so I think I remember being about eight or nine. No, and hey. this movie. And come on now, we both were. Let's be honest. Uh, I remember being about eight <laughs> or nine, and watching this movie and it scared the living daylights out of me like i couldn't go to sleep for weeks and it just like but then the ironic thing is is then as an adult watching it like i I can see how it would be a little much for an eight-year-old but as an adult yeah like you guys said just all of the things that came out of it one michael keaton is one of my i i don't want to say he's necessarily one of my favorite actors but he's one of the actors that i respect maybe more than anybody else because of his um just who he has decided to be and what's important to him as opposed to being, you know, the world renowned actor or something. He's, he actually cares about his, his craft and everything. Um, and so watching his performance in this, being a Tim Burton fan and getting to see what his directorial vision kind of brings to the entire way that the movie feels, the different twists and turns that he brings people on, Danny Elfman's score, just everything comes together. And and I was, I'm right there with Justin, where every single time I see this movie, like, it, I just get a deeper and deeper appreciation for uh it's 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 hilarious and it's just so perfectly and well done that i i love it and you know something that's crazy i'll just mention this is the original version of the script before like tim burton got involved and and michael keaton it was actually like a drama about the afterlife like it, it, it was more like frightening and it was depressing and it was it was like a serious situation and then they kind of came in and said oh, there's, really there's comedy to be mined from this and michael keaton especially i guess had a real hand in that and it was one of those things where like you know like it it, it was a totally different film in its original conception versus what we got and that's very much that's like, so funny i never yeah. realized that that's really really cool because like you can see what what's great about movies like this is there it, it it's a ridiculous concept it's a ridiculous movie <laughs> But I think you can tell that it has that behind it because it is grounded in really intense drama, not intense drama because that doesn't come through when you watch it. But like there's some real emotion behind what all the characters are going through. And that's what makes it stand the test of time is no matter what era you're in, whether you watched it when it came out or you watch it today, those are still things that you can relate to the things that they're going through in, in the movie. 
Yeah, right. and so and so, Justin, for you, you know, what 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 has kind of carried over throughout the years of your watching it, or what's what's kind of your? I mean, it's pretty similar to Jeff. Like, you know, Jeff and I grew up together, and so I, I had the same experience. We were very, <laughs> I I can say for myself, I I was a really wimpy kid. Uh, and I mean, his head spins around for Christ's sake. That that was terrifying. Um, and so uh, it was uh, it was scary as a kid, but I but I loved it because it was also exciting and funny and. Um, in a different way now when I see it, you know, I find so much more nuance, so much uh, uh, more nuanced humor in the film. And, and just like Jeff was saying, Michael Keaton's performance, really everybody's performance was great, but Michael Keaton especially just nailed it. I mean, it was so much fun. I have to imagine that some of that had to have been improvised because it just comes out of nowhere. Um, but um, but yeah, everything else, Danny Elfman's score was just, it's just fun to listen to i mean that's one that i could probably play in the car and just drive along and just be extremely happy in my day because it's just such great music and the direction and everything and i really think something that made me uh think when i watched it this week was like tim burton and his uh, future films and i'm sure people will disagree with me but like i think having cg took something away from Tim Burton. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Creativity. Not really his creativity, but just that 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 thing that made him really have to think outside the box because I feel like a lot of his CG movies is stuff that I've seen before. It's stuff that I've seen people do before, but his stuff before he got CG was just so creative, so artistic, so amazing, and I feel like so authentic to him that I just I mean there were parts of the movie I was just watching in awe. Yeah, so. yeah, he's he was he was really on you know on top of his game you know throughout the late '80s and early '90s and yeah somewhere around the 2000s he uh, he kind of lost track of things but that's awesome. Now I personally have kind of a uh, an interesting history with this film because to my recollection, Beetlejuice is actually the first movie I saw in theaters. Which it's kind of weird. It's kind of a weird first choice. Nice. And you guys talked about being scared. I was not frightened at all by this movie. Like as far as like like you know. The, I believe you. The imagery. <laughs> I was a very dark child. Um, but but it was weird because you know like Beetlejuice is he's the headlining character yet he's like the villain of the movie if you kind of look at it which is really strange and he's he all told he's right, only in the movie right. for like under eighteen minutes. Which is really strange. Like he's hardly in the film, but he makes <laughs> such an impact. Like you said, just Michael Keaton, yeah, and everything that he accomplished. But for me, what I walked out of the theater because I was like six when I saw this movie. What I walked out of the theater uh, just quoting and going over was the music. So I'm like, Deo, Vicente, you know, like shake, shake, I can shake, totally senora. see little Adam running out of the theater, yeah. screaming that I mean, song at the top of his lungs. I, that, that was my thing. And like when I was bored, I would just like randomly like pretend I was possessed and be singing the song and dance around. You know, it was just like, like that's the, for some reason, that's what impacted me the most. If, if I was scared by yeah. anything, it was Juno, you know, their caseworker in the afterlife with that slit in oh, her neck the with the smoke Juno. coming out. Do you know what I'm talking about? That was frightening. I mean, yeah. like, but but otherwise, like, I just I just thought it was a pretty fun movie that you know stuck out to me. You know, and I watched the cartoon that came out, you know, uh, shortly after the film. You know, uh, and so and I, you know, I enjoyed that. I especially like 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 they would they would do a lot of stuff like in the in the neither world yeah. where you know 
Lydia goes and she's hanging out with Beetlejuice and his weird skeleton friends and spider friends. But to me, like I loved when he came into the real world and would help her like scare the snobby girl Claire at school. You know, like like that to me. Like I just loved how he he got vengeance for his friend. I thought that was awesome. And then, did you guys ever um, go to Universal yeah. Studios in the 90s? I mean, technically, it still exists, I think, in Florida and Japan. But to see the Beetlejuice's uh, Rockin' Graveyard Review. Oh, yeah. I never actually saw that. No, I, I never saw that. It. Oh, I loved it. Like, I remember just, I remember going to this outdoor auditorium, and all of a sudden, there's all the famous Universal monsters. Beetlejuice is the master of ceremonies, just doing his jokes in between songs. I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, they had pyro. They had the fog machines. They had everything. So I, I yeah. just think... Beetlejuice was like so hot. He had like kind of that that five year period, you know, or maybe a little bit less. And then he then he's just kind of always been there as an icon, but he just hasn't, you know, we never got an actual sequel. There was always talks like Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian was like the script apparently that was in development, uh, but it never happened. <laughs> oh God, no! Yeah, which is crazy. And then that, but now uh, Tim Burton and Winona Ryder and Michael Keaton also have all said we're working towards doing a sequel. Now, again, I still stand by what? that. If there is not, if there is not, you know, an actual release date, if there's not a plot summary, I don't buy it. But but they're working on it apparently, trying to get it out there. Well, and it's interesting too, like you brought up Adam, because I know That's I awesome. used to watch the cartoon show all the time myself but the funny thing was that i felt like i know like justin brought it up is that when you watch the yeah, movie me i mean beetlejuice is the bad guy beetlejuice is yeah. the villain in the film and so it's kind of but the funny thing is in the cartoon they change it where again it's the adventures of beetlejuice and lydia because they kind of toned it down for children and so they made beetlejuice just kind of like he's basically freakazoid but earlier so he's just the wacky guy that has powers you know from being a dead guy but let's not talk about the dead thing he's just you know, whatever. And so, yeah. which, which we'll get into as we get into this is that, like, that's the interesting thing for me when you start thinking about a sequel. Like, which one are you building off of? Are we going to build off of that original where he's the bad guy that gets eaten by a sandworm? Or is it the fun loving, like, you know, almost like the genie from uh, Aladdin? Right. Like, that's a whole different character. All right. And now it is time to shift our attention to the pitch. Justin, give us your feed. All right, so um, I didn't actually come up with a title this time, but um, so I actually went because Jeff uh, put up an interesting question about like which uh, which Beetlejuice do you go with, and I sort of went with the one from uh, from the movie. So uh, I wrote down that Lydia, now older and having just been laid off, moves back into the old house that her parents who are now long dead, and the other couple, Adam and Barbara, still dead, used to live in. Uh, it's established early on that the couple that used to haunt the house, Adam and Barbara, again, no longer do so because they have accepted death. They work for the dead social services people, and they're off helping other recently deceased cope with death. Uh, we get glimpses in the beginning as she's strolling through the house of the model of the city, the manual for the recently deceased, her mom's art, and especially in her mom's art, the sculpture of the Beetlejuice head. Um, so later on in town, she meets the owner of a local grocery store, uh, a local general store, um, a cute guy about her age, and it's clear that they could have something going on if she wasn't already taken, because she's currently with Michael, who's her long-term boyfriend who is back in New York, tying up loose ends before he moves in with her in her new home. Very quickly after this meeting, though, uh, on a call from Michael, we find out that he has been having an affair and is leaving her. Uh, Lydia 
uh, becomes after shortly after that becomes uh, severely depressed about her job and about her failed relationship. And after uh, failing many ridiculous suicide attempts, she stumbles on the old business card with uh, Beetle Geis on it. And uh, she says something like, you know who always gets the short end of the stick? Beetlejuice. And then she's like, ooh, wait a minute. She's like tempted by the prospect and she doesn't care what happens. So she repeats it again and repeats it again. And then Beetlejuice appears. But at this point, he's also aged. Uh, um, he's like a pale comparison to the guy that we remember. Uh, he's lost all his mojo because no one believes in him or really summons him anymore. And now he's just like a crotchety old ghost that is kind of annoying. So uh, Lydia uh, in him sees her way out of despair in helping him reclaim his former glory and also tries to help him tone down his insanely offensive ways. Uh, And Beetlejuice helps Lydia (laughs) take back her life by getting revenge on her boyfriend and helping her get with the owner of the general store and just helping her feel better about life. Um, Also, because it has to happen at some point in the movie, they have to meet up with Adam and Barbara and have a big dance party with a new team of dead high school football players. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. And that's and that's my two cents. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, I like that a lot. So just uh, I I kept expecting that that her parents were going to come into the picture as a dead, you know, people showing up at some point. So I, I I was surprised. That I, that was I, the I honestly I intentionally left them out. Yeah, I intentionally left them out because I I just like they're I don't think they would fit anywhere in the story. Really, I thought about like when they when they all have the dance party. Like, of course, it's she meets Adam and Barbara and her parents. But the thing is, is Adam and Barbara are at the house in the beginning because they were like wrongly taken away from it. And ultimately, I imagine that her parents don't suffer the same fate, and so they're just part of the uh dead culture not like specifically haunting that place interesting so and, and that was the other thing too i i wasn't i i was surprised i was like oh so like everybody's dead because so much time has passed so how old is lydia at this point is she like the old lady from titanic like what are we what are we looking at <clears throat> no, no no i imagine she's like she's like uh, the i don't know how old is winona writer right now 40 yeah, she's probably yeah. 40 something. I was picturing like 30s or something like that. Yeah, so yeah. like her parents, you know, they passed away. They didn't they didn't live until they're 100 like a lot, <laughs> a lot of other people these days, you know, they uh-huh. you know, I'm just heart thinking attack about or Jeffrey whatever Jones. have you. Um yeah. Jeffrey Jones could away, use the work. The point is is that could she's very lonely. Work. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but like yeah i I just imagine that like you need her to be at her lowest point for her to call back beetlejuice right exactly and also like we've talked about before is that you never want to just have the sequel be a rehash of the original where it's just like well you had the conflict so you got to have the crazy parents you got to blah 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 it's like we did that story already so this is lydia's story yeah no i i yeah i I, I think i think it's good right exactly the the revenge on the boyfriend for me it turned out to be like a like kind of a rom-com yeah that's a good angle to take with it (laughs) okay now we're gonna move to jeff okay so for me uh the first off starting off with the title i kind of had the idea especially since the first one was called beetlejuice and rather than calling it beetlejuice 2 or beetlejuice something like that i thought about the idea that we would call it beetlejuice beetlejuice and then, which would obviously uh, set it up for a trilogy where the third one, who knows what could happen. The third one could be apocalyptic when we do, apo- <laughs> you know, if we title something called that. 
Um, <laughs> but I kind of went a little bit different way as opposed to um, Lydia and the Dietzes and everything like that. I, I, I kind of said like, okay, let's leave them almost like my idea was the trilogy or, or the sequel and then possibly leading into a trilogy. <clears throat> would essentially be three independent stories about Beetlejuice. And he, they would be, like, <clears throat> sequential. So one would come after the other, and there would need to be, like, for Beetlejuice fans, there would need to be some some um, throwback to the original. But for the most part, like, we wouldn't have the Dietzes, we wouldn't have Lydia, we wouldn't have any of them. Uh, we would have an, uh, an entirely new family of four. And my idea was... Um, maybe like completely shift the setting. I'm a little bit nervous about doing like a city. I mean, it seems like that would be the biggest change to do like living in a city as opposed to living out in the country. Um, but I was kind of thinking we start, we have like a family of four. And so it's an actual like, you know, the nuclear family, mom, dad, son, daughter, uh, with the son and daughter being probably in like middle school or something, be about 10 and 12 would be my guess. And um, they move into a new house in, again, like I would see kind of like a maybe a suburb or something. So it's different than where the Dietzes lived. They move into there and there's a um, there's an issue like the, the house is haunted. There's ghosts. There's something like that. Um, I don't know that it's uh, uh, for me. I, I kind of pictured it being more abstract than in the last movie, um, where as opposed to I can physically see a ghost and it's terrifying me. It's more that old haunted house sort of a thing where it's creaking and they're hearing noises and the walls start bleeding or whatever. And then uh, that's where they get tied in, where they find like in a magazine, and I kind of like, kind of like they did in the in the original movie, where there's kind of like all these hints that are dropped here and there. They see like this really odd ad, and they see the TV commercial, and they see like where it's actually Beetlejuice that's advertising for himself by inserting it. So there would be all of these multiple like things to call on Beetlejuice as the. Um, the like, uh, um, uh, what did he call himself? Exterminator or whatever that he could help him with their ghost problems. Um, and so anyway, so eventually they kind of decide to give him a shot. And so they bring him in and he's kind of up to his old hijinks. Um, and so then they're kind of like dealing with, is it this guy worse than the actual house itself? Uh, but then kind of like the second half of the movie is where the son and daughter, and I, I don't know exactly how this part, I hadn't figured out how this part would happen, but where the son and daughter somehow end up like, like I guess it could be like Beetlejuice would sometimes open doors and come through doors. I guess he would usually just appear, but they would use doors like the, uh, in the last movie where the son and daughter cross over and they end up getting going into the, 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 the world of the dead. And so then we can have like some of the movie taking place as they get lost in the land of the dead. And the only one that can help them out is Beetlejuice, but Beetlejuice couldn't care less about children. So then you got to have like the parents would have to kind of force Beetlejuice somehow to help them rescue the children and, and everything along those lines. Um, so then we get, you know, adventure in, um, uh, uh, in the, 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 the world of the dead to kind of wrap it on up. Uh, or not wrap it on up, but be the second half of it. Um, so, but then that was even what I was thinking about it. Because unfortunately, like for me, what I love about the first one is um, Tim Burton. 
and Tim Burton's vision and the way that he can take a storyline that is so terrifying and make it hilarious. And so it's kind of like we would need that, but I don't think like Tim Burton. So that would be where I would like, okay, this is the basic thing. Like, okay, Tim, go now. Like, change it and, and, and run with it yourself. Okay. So so basically, you know, new new locale, new new family. So we so we are just kind of taking a, a new step in the right direction. Our constant is Beetlejuice. So he's he's in there and uh, and and make you know, I guess I, I like the idea also of getting them over, you know, to that that, you know, kind of seeing what it's like in Beetlejuice's world a little bit more. You know, we got a glimpse of it in the first film, but I think that's awesome that the parents are now coming to save the day rescue their children right right with yeah and again like i said that's the weird thing where it's just kind of like how do you play i mean and that would be the neat thing i think with a sequel is to be able however you do it is to be able to kind of expand on the character of beetlejuice more because like you brought up i mean he's only in 20 minutes of the movie so we don't really get to find out like how did he die where did he come from where does he live like what's his you know what's his deal i mean we know he likes brothels that's about all so so essentially what i'm seeing with yours is uh playing it out over a three movie arc where the first one he was the villain the middle he'll have some sort of redemption and the trilogy would be his redemption in the eyes of the viewers possibly i mean i wasn't necessarily going that far although that does make sense because again i was kind of viewing it more like the parents were going to have to somehow force him to help them but i like what you're saying like that could certainly work where it's just kind of like he's the reluctant hero i guess in the second one yeah and then he becomes neo in the third one yes (laughs) (laughs) all right on to our third and final presentation adam all right well in uh in my pitch uh basically i i would just call it beetlejuice 2 but, you know, the tagline that I feel like is the most obvious that they would throw in there is just, it's showtime. You know, like that's what everybody. Nice. So, but I've taken that concept and saying, okay, what is showtime for Beetlejuice? And I, I, th- I think there's, there's more possibilities than just uh, what he did at the end of the first film. So in my situation, Beetlejuice has gotten out of the bio-exorcism business because it's just become too dangerous based on his experience with the, with the Dietzes and the Maitlands. So he, he is now spending his time at the undead employment office uh, to collect his checks, you know. Uh, but he has to go out there and he's always tried to find new work, okay. So he's, he has various jobs that just keep ending badly. So he's telling his caseworker, you know, about his time as a shoe salesman didn't go well. His time as a bus driver didn't go well. Beetlejuice is a nanny can you imagine the beetlejuice is a nanny you know and uh yeah there was one uh, situation is a sandworm excrement cleaner and uh he discovers <laughs> that that one ends badly because he discovers that sandworm poop is explosive <laughs> and so but what happens is he he just can't keep a job and and he's and he's not really he stops looking so the caseworker's like well you're you know we're stopped giving you your checks so he's like oh well, i gotta call in a favor so he goes over to rock and roll hell where all the dead rock stars uh, are <laughs> hanging out because he, he knows some, some some of them over there so he's trying to get a handout or some help with something so when he arrives he you know he's in the club he sees you know Jimi hendrix is there jim morrison you know mama cass whoever just all all the famous dead rock stars 
and he has a bad history with the king you know so it's not <laughs> technically elvis but it's the king and he's more like a mob boss okay so he, he kind of runs that that side of town and uh, <laughs> just you know i am going to throw out my casting choices as i go through this because i just i think it, it, it helps you see the story but i'm thinking andrew dice clay is the king because he yeah. was doing the you know the adventures of ford fairlane and trying to get his foot in the door in hollywood back then so he, he probably would have been it about this time but while he, um, he's getting chased by the king's goons because he owes the king money. So they're chasing him around the club, you know, trying to trying to get the money. He ends up on stage and he ends up sitting in for a song with, you know, Jimi Hendrix, Buddy Holly. And then Keith Richards is there, but he says he's not actually dead. He's just visiting, you know. And so but <laughs> it turns out Beetlejuice is an awesome singer and showman. So so he after their their set, he actually gets a record deal from and you know an undead or you know a demon executive down there this and, really was the musical episode yeah and so what he does is he actually gets his advance money immediately gives it to the king as good faith you know money but now the king says well now i'm in charge of your career so my manager the colonel who is played by pat hingle i don't know if you know he was uh Commissioner Gordon in the Batman films. I just think he'd be a good, you know. Oh, I was hoping you were going to talk about Colonel Sanders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not quite. Uh, although, actually, maybe that's a better choice. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, so now the Colonel is running Beetlejuice's musical career. So he like tries it, puts him in a boy band. He puts in oh, like God. a Kenny G style, just musician. He does like a male female duo, like Sonny and Cher, and then. He like they get him into this one thing that looks like it's working, but it's really like a Milli Vanilli situation where he's not, you know, <laughs> not singing and he gets busted. So finally, like after all those things don't work, they put together a super group that is made up of the Universal Monsters. So uh, you have uh, Brad Garrett as Frankenstein's monster. You have uh, Diane Salinger, who, you know, Tim Burton always likes to work with the same actors, actresses. She was Simone in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, the girl who wanted to go to France. You know, so I just I, I feel like he would throw her in there just because. So she's the bride of Frankenstein. You have Wolfman on sax. You know, Tommy Davidson from In Living Colors playing the Wolfman in my, <laughs> my mind. He'd be great. Uh, Dracula is on bass. Now, Dracula, I'm imagining John Paragon, who's another one. I don't know if you guys know who he is. Jombie the Genie from Pee-wee's Playhouse. Oh, yeah. He's also oh, at UHF. Wow. He, he was the son of the, the evil uh, station owner. Um, but he, he, I just think yeah. he has a good Dracula look to him. <laughs> then you got Phantom of the Operas there. You got Paul Schaefer from Letterman as the Phantom of the Opera, sure. of course. <laughs> and finally, The Mummy. Now, The Mummy just plays... Uh, oh, yeah, the Mummy, he Brendan plays Frazier. tambourines, okay? But, but, and, and he, is, he becomes Beetlejuice's, like right-hand man because he doesn't say anything you know the mummy just moans but but beetlejuice like loves him as a sounding board and everything and paul rubens Wee herman is playing the mummy because this this would be like that down period in his career where he had had some incidents and uh, and you would have to keep him under bandages but he's there you know that we know of <laughs> ah, true was enough so basically i i, I believe oh. that was <laughs> um <laughs> And uh, so their big hit is 
The, the, I'm imagining the soundtrack of this thing is all like classic like rock songs. So it's it's Who Do You Love by by Bo Diddley and also George Thorogood. You know, is maybe the most popular version. But you know, it's got all that that imagery in it. You know, cobra snake for a necktie. You know, made from rattlesnake hide. Um, you got a brand new chimney made on top, made out of human skull. You know, it's got all that to it. You know, so it just seems like a very Beetlejuice song. Who do you love? You know, it just seems like something he could get into. Um, now. What this really turns into at that point is your standard rock star tropes, right? You know, so Beetlejuice, you know, he's got all his undead zombie groupies. He's got, you know, excess of drugs and alcohol, but he's already dead. So it can't really kill him, but he just keeps getting more and more crazy. He's trashing hotel rooms. He becomes a prima donna and alienates the band. So they leave him. And now he's he's got to try to earn the money, you know, because they were having a good run. And then now they're gone. So he's got to earn the money on street corners playing bad country songs by himself, you know. And so it's just like really depressing. Everything's terrible. But then the king shows up again. He's like, where's my money? And now Beetlejuice tried to get away. So he's on the run. The king comes after him riding a giant sandworm. And, you know, then the mummy, who's his friend, finally convinces the rest of the band to come in and save Beetlejuice. So they do one uh, awesome uh, rock and rendition of Brown Sugar by the Rolling Stones that's just like rattling the city. It's, you know, the, the sandworm can't handle it. And then finally the big climax is that Beetlejuice he sticks uh he's got a bottle rocket that he sticks up the behind of the sandworm and, you know because they're <laughs> explosive and he lights off you know explodes of course you're gonna have all the the guts of the slime because it's a gross movie you know and then that's it and so once once that you know enemies defeated then you know he makes amends with the band you know their final song they're playing land of a thousand dances you know na 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 you know they're all singing together everybody's getting their moment in the spotlight you know so now Beetlejuice is sharing the spotlight with the band everybody's happy and it's just a rocket you know out outro through the credits everybody's loving it so that's my situation I, I just, yeah so so basically as you might have I want to say oh yeah thank you Thank you so much for working the poop back into the script. Exactly, I was worried about. <laughs> it. I didn't Is think there was like enough a poop four in your hour pitches. movie, or I think circle, we're talking miniseries. <laughs> Who knows? HBO was starting to, you know, get hot exactly. at that point. We could do it. But I just I feel like it obviously this is very inspired by the Beetlejuice's Rock and Graveyard review, like in a movie form. But that's what I felt like was the next step. You know, they could promote it. They got the live show at the theme park. Go see the movie. Get the backstory. You know, it could have been great. Backstory to the theme show. That's good. That's good. It's it's kind of backwards from how they normally do it. But, you know. Hey, everybody's got to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now is time for the main premise of our whole show. Coming up with a brand new script and idea for a sequel to the classic Beetlejuice. Now, how are we going to do this? Are we going to mash them up or are we just going to pick one or scrap all of them and come up with something brand new? Well, now, Jeff presented to us the idea of a trilogy. So, I mean, I guess technically we could look at it that way, but... Uh, I, you know, obviously mine is very far uh, away from what Jeff and Justin were pitching, <laughs> which I, which <laughs> tends to be the case, generally speaking. I, I, I do tend to go out. Hey, I do have it's to true. applaud your uh, your script for your plot summary was down to less than a page. What? <laughs> that is a big deal, folks. I'm, I'm doing my best here, folks. Granted, oh, the I font guess. size was pretty small, <laughs> but... <laughs> and I also think Times New Roman again, you compressed about three or four movies into just that one. So, 
you could definitely have split that one too. So yeah, but well done. But but I mean, when I look at it, like I I feel like um, I mean I I lean just naturally more towards Justin's pitch. I feel like that's where you would want to take it. Is like you know, let's kind of see what Lydia was up to after the fact, you know, because she was kind of the breakout character. She was like the star of the cartoon. So it seems like that's where they would take it. Um, but I, I almost I almost look at it kind of as a way as what if, I mean, if we were to try to mash them all up, I feel like what if you took it where it's instead of like there is a new family, but what if it's Lydia's family? And now she she is kind of having this situation. Maybe it's it's the cheating ex-husband so maybe she just is getting divorced you know and then she's with her kids and then you and know that husband has to use beetlejuice to save her kids who escape to the yeah maybe the, except for i don't know i really like justin's con- i like that concept of that because again and, and that's the other part too where it's like the heart of the original the original movie where it's Tim Burton. So it's going to be dark. And I mean, like you, you watch Lydia's character and again, like she's trying to commit suicide and she's always dressed in black and like it's dark. And so for her to come back to a place like that later, like I feel like that darkness is kind of like a key. And for me to be perfectly honest, the, my favorite thing that other than, you know, explosive poop is great, but (laughs) is one of my, my favorite (laughs) images I think that came out was like Justin said about picturing this like old broken down Beetlejuice showing up. Like I love that picture. I think that would be so, and you got to get Michael Keaton to do it because he would be, you know, but you get like haggard and which you could also do. We could also tie in one of like, his backstory, what has happened between the two, is exactly what Adam talked about. That he goes through. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, he tried this, and he that. tried that, and he was a rock star, and he did this, and blah blah blah. It seems like that would yeah, fit. Just, that then he ends up as this broken old man. Yeah, yeah well, it, it, I, I yeah. think that works. And it, you know, what's funny is that because I meant to mention this earlier, but when you look at uh, you know your your situation where she's going back to being the depressed goth girl, tried to commit suicide in a bunch of ways that don't work. We, but we very dark humor, but I mean, that's what Heather's was, you know, and she was the star of Heather's with, uh, with Christian Slater, you know, that that was all about suicide and everything. So, I mean, that would be a good kind of callback to her earlier career too. I feel like that could work. Totally plan that. Yeah. There you go. Plan that. Yeah. <laughs> well, now are we talking? Because I know, like before, where we kind of talked about one of the keys is: are we picturing this as a modern day sequel, like it comes out now, twenty, thirty years afterwards, or are we talking like this is nineteen? Honestly, I always have. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, mine is definitely, and I, for some reason, I don't know, my mind always goes that way of like, I, I want if they made it today, if they waited, you know, however many years to, to remake it, if they waited today. Obviously, when a writer would be in it, she'd be her age. Michael Keaton would be in it, he'd be his age. Tim Burton would still be directing, I would hope. Danny Elfman would still do the soundtrack. But like, as far as the actors go, I wanted to see like what could what could I do with that story at at their age now. But I think like either of your scripts, I love because I feel like yeah, had they made it right after, even Jeff's, I think Jeff's, you could take yours now as well. Um, but especially Adam's like, had they made it right after? Yeah. Like that's definitely a direction they could have gone in, you know? Yeah. And I tend to agree um, with But Justin. I always, I, I, I when we're like... coming up with ideas, I always think about today because that's what I want to get made today. And, and I, I think that would be a good way to take this one is what, what would, would this actual sequel modern day be for us? 
because it gives you that perspective and it gives you that that situation you know and I, I just think you could play a lot with the history of the characters you know throughout like you said we look take a little bit of mine with we th- we show Beetlejuice and what happened after the incident you know and how, how the path that his life took we right. find out what Lydia's life took because I imagine that th- this is what I see with Lydia when we're talking about that she has this arc kind of that she's coming to now is she I think that she goes full like preppy peppy happy girl like you know after this and so when she comes back to the house that's when she starts reverting back to the old lydia and like and then and then you know her boyfriend breaks up with her all that and that just like compounds where she goes full goth again and then and then that's where it kind of you know kind of uh, yeah. erupts from there but but like you know, but I just think the juxtaposition of where her life went that how she's going back to what she was I think that would be more interesting to right do. and funny you know just to see her all like she'd probably be like platinum blonde and like and just like hey you know totally well the element too of adding in because you know again when, when we leave you know that and it was it was really interesting too. I thought that like especially compared to some of his later works. Although I don't know. I mean, I guess I haven't ever really done a study on Tim Burton to see if he loves the happy endings. You kind of wouldn't think so, but this one has like one of the happiest endings. Is that now? Granted, yeah. you know, Alec Baldwin they didn't come back to life somehow, but they were still deads. Which I, as a kid, I always thought that was a bummer, but that wasn't going to change. But you know, they're singing and dancing because she got a good grade and her parents are leaving her alone and she hangs out with the ghosts and everything like that. But I do think, yeah, doing it in the future, then you can, that would be another key too, to kind of like, yeah, how did they go from that happy place to where they are now? And to kind of like riding that momentum leads her to being a preppy stuff like that. And then her parents die and then the ghosts leave and then this and then this, and then, then eventually like, right. yeah, it all falls apart. Yeah, I, th- I think that's awesome. So yeah. now um, the other thing you said, so now she chooses now, and just so I'm understanding, we're we're not we're not bringing the idea of like a family or kids into this, and we still think it's better. Just she still was single all this time, and she but she had this like long term relationship that now she finds out he was cheating on her. So she uses Beetlejuice to get the revenge, correct? Yeah, I don't think. Well, I don't think she uses Beetlejuice to get the revenge. I think that she, at least in the idea that I had, she sees in like a long drawn out conversation or some antics between when Beetlejuice is first summoned and they get into an argument or whatever. Um, she realizes in that scene that like, you know what? I can actually do something good for this person. This thing whatever um and that can and that can help me to you know that can at least take me away from what's going on in my life and i think that beetlejuice because he has such bravado can a little bit of that can rub off on her and she can take back her life through him and he can get his life back through her through her help and her guidance well well, can i ask this then this is this is the question that's on everybody's mind then is is there going to be a romance between Lydia and Beetlejuice because I no, feel like no, no, no you don't think no, it should go I don't no, think so. no no don't go Hugh Hefner on this yeah. <laughs> he's, he's old he's broken down and the fact that well no I was gonna say that well I can't see that she would be at all interested him yeah I think it's more of a father-daughter he, relationship now the one thing I would I might throw in yeah grandfather <laughs> the one thing that I might throw in would be um uh 
like kind of like an element in the middle when you know she's gotten to that lowest point and like Beetlejuice pops back in the picture somehow where we could still have some sort of a experience or like adventure maybe not an adventure that's maybe too much but some sort of an experience in the land of the dead where Lydia crosses over with Beetlejuice somehow so we could still do some of that. I mean, totally. it doesn't have to be a major plot point, but I do think that's like an element that wasn't as much in the first one that I think people would like to see. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think, think it'd be it could... cool if that's how they get from place to place. Like that's how they get to see her cheating boyfriend is they have to travel yeah. through the land of the dead to get to back to New York or they travel through that to get to whatever other things they're dealing with to get, you know, maybe to get revenge on Beetlejuice's uh, band members or whatever. Okay, I see. It's kind of <laughs> like a wormhole uh, or some but sort I th- of... But sure, yeah. I mean, that's what it always seemed like to me because, like, you know, there's that scene where they go through that really cool, weird tunnel with all the doors yeah. and one door is the room and one door is, like, the, where lost the soul. soul, the, like, caught between souls or whatever yeah, that room lost is. souls room. Um, and I feel like that yeah. some, somewhere along the line, I was like, that that's got to be a plot point, like, about the room of the lost souls. Yeah, yeah wait, just just yeah. off topic here. We, we can cut this if we want to. But the, the lost souls situation, Jeff and I used to work with this gentleman named Joe Pacelli. And uh, he, he was Baloo at Disneyland, among others, just a big guy. And that was his, like, insult for everybody. I felt like I got it quite a bit, but he was always, you're a lost soul. You're a lost soul. You're like, lost that, like, that was just his thing. Like, he just, he loved to call everybody a lost soul. <laughs> and he did dress up as Beetlejuice every single Halloween. Did you ever find out what that was from? Like, No, that, that was it. Beetlejuice. That, just like Jeff said, he would dress up as Beetlejuice. That was his thing. Right. And that was just and his that was his thing. People is that he would just insult by oh, calling wow. you a lost soul. You're a lost soul. And he and his way of doing it, it wasn't funny. No, oh, no, it was meant to be biting and nasty. He was yeah, bitter, I, I, bitter, bitter man. <laughs> and then he made He's an in appearance prison in now. Rake Man. <laughs> Old man correct, correct. All right, so, but I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I love the idea, like you're saying, of them traveling around and and going. You know, so like everybody kind of gets their. Get, gets their issue resolved so beetlejuice helps lydia to get revenge on her cheating ex-boyfriend and then she you know she finds her love in town and and so she has a happy ending there and then she's helping beetlejuice to you know like you said maybe just get the the revenge on his bandmates if that's what it had to be or or the king or whoever it is you know we probably wouldn't get into a full backstory on everything but there'd have to be some unresolved issue like he didn't get the royalties or something or like the band like stole his songs and went off and was popular without him you know like kicked him out at a certain point and so he has to go in and like have his maybe that's what it is is he wanted his last moment of glory like, so he gets to do, like, one big show, and that could be the end again. Like, we have a musical ending where Beetlejuice gets his one big show. Totally. I do, totally. although I do kind of like Jeremy, like what Jeremy was saying about that whole, like, I mean, it, it, it's maybe a little bit different now that we're talking about, like, doing it today. But that kind of idea where in the first one he's a bad guy, and in this one, you know, even in this version, he's kind of like the reluctant hero in a certain way, or he's at least helping someone. And then to even consider that idea of like you know the possibility of a third one where he could be i don't know what the full transformation or even not even not even a third one just like the end of this movie being like you know 
I don't know. I wouldn't want to go too cheesy where it's just kind of like, and then he realized he actually had a heart. Like, no, no, <laughs> yeah, no. You still Beetlejuice. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. that was what I was thinking too. It's like, what if at the end, like, it's almost like two different directions where it's like, what if at the end he, he like betrays her somehow because he's still all about himself, like Beetlejuice. But then it's just kind of like, well, I don't know about that. But then on the same, you could flip it around. It's like, well, what if, you know, he, yeah, becomes the reluctant hero. I don't know. I don't know. I, or, I actually I like that. I I think he should still stay like a scoundrel at the end, but you have that little glint of they kind of have an understanding. He's like, I had to betray you, babe, yeah. like because it's who I am. Yeah. But it, but it but it's still kind of you know like they're still on good terms on some level. But even though he did a really bad yeah. thing, and he's like, I have to keep my distance from you because I don't get close to people type thing. You know. I like the reluctant hero idea that he's still himself, but he managed to through actions that he that his character would conceivably take ends up helping Lydia and and maybe even a few more people along the way you know right and that's and that's kind of the charm of the original movie is the fact that it's like even as bad as this guy is like you can't help but love him like he is everyone's favorite character in this movie and that's why it's called Beetlejuice and so it's kind of like yeah, you don't want him to turn into a goody-goody, but at the same time, you don't want him to be, yeah, you don't want him to be like, and then he murders her at the end. It's like, no, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, don't take that dark of a turn. <laughs> Join me forever <laughs> <Yeah>. as my <laughs> bride. <laughs> Casting-wise, evil ex-boyfriend today in his 40s-ish. Oh, man. Oh. Alec Baldwin. Brad. Alec Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> Because he looks oh. totally different. He looks nothing yeah. like Alec Baldwin from <laughs> 1988 now. Yeah. Um, can we bring in the other Baldwin brother? Oh, that would be his oh, no. Rolex boyfriend. You mean Billy Baldwin? <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. That would be awesome. That would be hilarious. And now, the other Baldwin brother. I. Yeah. I, well, I, feel, I feel like, too, like... I, for me, like the first person that came to mind, he's probably too big now, but I feel like he would be a fan, so he would probably accept the role. Somebody like Bradley Cooper would just be the. Did he's I like just the say perfect. That? Who Come said on. that? Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like he'd be a great like ex-boyfriend, good-looking, but he could play the jerk type thing. He could probably yeah. pull that off. No, yeah, nobody I wants feel like to not would... like Bradley Cooper. Yeah, he's everybody's buddy now. But I, I Vince, don't. Vince I'm Vaughn. kind of digging. Vince Vaughn. When in doubt, Vince Vaughn. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm kind of digging uh, uh, Stephen Baldwin. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that... I like the fact that it's a Baldwin. Exactly, and the fact that like and they of course could take Lydia would fall him. for yeah. someone yeah. like her. <laughs> and they could daughter. even you could even like it could either be a wink to the audience where it's just kind of like they don't, but it's like the audience knows who this person is, and like they could even make like little jokes about like, have we seen? Do you? Are, uh, no, no. You seem or familiar you even, to us. Exactly. Well, yeah. You could even play up the entire thing where like this actually is like the like his cousin or something like that. Well, that oh, that or, or or you could take it a different <laughs> way if we're going kind of the stunt casting role. And what if it was Christian Slater? So if if we're already calling back to Heather's with the the suicide thing, like what if Christian Slater was in this also? So it's kind of it's almost like a crossover of Heather's Beetlejuice. I don't know. Heather's a cult film. It's not like anybody's favorite thing. But what's Christian Slater doing? Come on. He could give us a great <laughs> performance right now. And and, and I think we would love Goody. to see him again. Goody. Kevin Bacon, on the other hand. Yeah. When uh, in doubt, uh, <laughs> Kevin 
bacon. Oh. Every movie is made better with bacon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, what about what about just real quick? Who would be her love interest at the end? So, who would be like the the guy in town who's kind of the 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 you know ah oh, shucks kind of nice? Guy? I could see that Kevin more bacon. as being Bradley Cooper. See, I was thinking the same thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it is a little bit like seriously, like come on, look at this guy. Like everyone's <laughs> yeah. gonna be like, oh, you're in love with him? Are you kidding me? Like what? Come on. It was like Dean Cain in, as Clark Kent oh, in The yeah. Adventures of Lois and Clark. It's like, really? Come on now. He's a nice guy, though, Dean Cain. Let's, <laughs> no. let's not throw Dean is, Cain under the bus. He's a heartthrob. It's like for everyone to be like, you're going to date Clark? Are you kidding me? He's a nerd. No, he's Dean Cain. Yeah. Don't hate him because he's beautiful. Come on. Oh, but you should. Sounds like we've got a solid plan for the layout of the movie. But how in today's market are we going to market this thing? Poster art-wise, I guess, is where to start. What, what are you guys thinking in terms of how do we kind of represent Lydia's story and Beetlejuice's story in one poster? Or Okay, so so there's a DeLorean. And, uh, <laughs> it's a Prius. And a, and a Prius. And a Prius. And then a Prius. <laughs> it's, a, it's a black and white striped Prius, and Beetlejuice is popping out the sunroof going, showtime! Yeah. Um, um, I like th- this is let me let me give you this because again I feel like today's movie posters, like so much of it is just like the Photoshop, a bunch of floating heads, like it's boring, like yeah. and then and then it's, but we're not also not in the age of movie posters like they were in the eighties where it kind of showed you everything or showed <laughs> exactly. you a scene of what's going on. So like I I Except feel like for it the would new be Star more... Wars poster. What? Yeah. yeah, but I, I my concept because I think it could still work for mine, but. Uh, for this, like, is I was just imagining Beetlejuice kind of in a he's got a spotlight uh, up above him, and and it's so so his face is kind of in the dark. You're not seeing, you know, the the full Michael Keaton Beetlejuice, but you just kind of see that the the silhouette and a little bit of the black and white striped suit, and he's you know just kind of like dramatically posed, kind of hands at his side, but he's in a spotlight, kind of like it's a show, you know, and it literally just says, you I know, the tagline that. is it's showtime. You know, and everybody's just like, oh, I can't wait, you know, because you don't need to give it all away. Beetlejuice sells itself, I feel like. Yeah, it's totally. Very Although true. It, it's, it's the interesting thing, too, now, because, you know, back in, what was it, 88, is that uh, uh, Tim Burton's name didn't sell necessarily. I mean, he was, he was you know, fairly right. new on the block and everything like that. As opposed to now, you slap Tim Burton's name on something and, it you know, that changes the entire, the, the entire thing. Um, I was kind of thinking, yeah. but what about something with? Because I feel like you got to have Beetlejuice in, you know, the classic stripe suit. Like that's mm-hmm. his look. Um, something where it's like, kind of like you, you were saying, Adam. But it, instead of it being like, like just about him, where it would be something like maybe there's a door, like a a door that's leading to the to the land of the dead, and he's kind of like, you know showing the way for Lydia or something like that. So you have Lydia there and then you have, I still like the old decrepit uh, uh, or burnt out is maybe the best way. Beetlejuice. Yeah. uh, Standing there. But yeah, so it's kind of like this idea. So it's like, I don't know, like a gateway to a gateway to an adventure sort of a thing. Yeah. I like, I like what you're saying. I think, but you, I think you can leave Lydia out of it. I think that he, the, the viewer of the poster, he's basically showing the viewer of the poster into the land of the undead. Hmm. Yeah, and, and just on the poster, it would say Michael Keaton, Winona Ryder, a Tim Burton film. And that's all yeah. you need to know, right? Right. To, that's all yeah. I, I do like. Here. 
I do like Showtime. It's Showtime being like, I, you're right, because that was a big line, even though they didn't really sell that line until much, much later. Right. I, yeah. I think that was a big line that people remember. So I think yeah. that would be a good tagline. Yeah, totally. Okay. Well, good. So um, that's, yeah, I, I think we, we kind of nailed that down. All right. Promo items and marketing sounds good. Now, what are we going to do for a soundtrack? I feel like, do, do, do you guys agree with me that I feel like a Danny Elfman score is another situation where it's like, that's all you need. People like, they would just <laughs> totally. want to have, you know, Danny Elfman, Tim Burton still working together after all these years. Good enough. Yeah, totally. And I think another, maybe another sort of, um, I don't know the name of the band that sings all the songs that they did Harry in the Belafonte. first one. Are you talking about, uh, yeah, Harry Belafonte. Harry yeah. Belafonte. Yeah, so like him or something else like that. Another band now that represents what Harry Belafonte represented then. Ooh, that's rough. Yeah, right? I wonder who that would be. <laughs> How do you do that? I mean, I mean, the closest thing the ba- I can The Baja of... Men? <laughs> who was the dogs at? I mean, hey, Pitbull man. was in I don't that. know, but I just imagine. Oh, really? He's, he's, Pitbull is one of the Baja Men. <laughs> Was he really? Are yes. No oh, joke. Oh, I went wonderful. back and looked at the video. I had to figure it out because I, I listened to the song. Like, people requested at weddings. So I was listening yeah, to it, and good. all of a sudden, there's a Pitbull sounding guy, and he's like, and that's why they call me Pitbull. And I was wow. like, no. What? No. Yeah, totally. Yeah, him. mind blown. I don't know. I, I kind of wonder, though, because, awesome. yeah, I don't I don't know that I see anything. I mean, like, the closest thing I can think of today is, um, uh, oh, shoot, what's his name, uh, that did the Super Bowl? Uh, Missy Elliott? No, <laughs> no, no, no. Missy no. Elliott? Come on. Justin <laughs> Timberlake? <laughs> no. The, oh, am I the I, only person No, I know, who you're, I know who you're talking about. It, it's right on the tip of my tongue. I can't get it out. What? Oh, oh. Mars. Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. He's the closest thing I can think of because he's so high energy and people are like, yeah, dance, dance. But it's still very different because even in yeah. 88, it had this very like retro, not quite what normal people would listen to kind of music to it. Right. That's what I, that's what I'm thinking of. And I just right. don't, I can't think of anybody that's like that a little, a little obscure because Harry Belafonte was still, I mean, like people knew who he was, but like just a little obscure that not everybody would listen to him at that time. Well, but I feel, I feel like somebody like that age, for now. Because it's it's a throwback movie that's appealing to a certain generation, I think the studio would want to have a current artist have a song for the soundtrack or a single that could be associated with the film that could draw in the younger audience so they could get the younger kids. Oh, Bruno Mars did a music video with this Beetlejuice thing. I guess it's a movie. And then the kids would go see it. Yeah, totally. And and actually, Bruno Mars kind of has a retro feel to him at times. Yeah, that's true. But it's still not quite the same. No, no, no. That's my only thought. Well, Jeremy, I mean, you deal with music a ton. Do you you have any ideas about who that would be? There's not too many that are doing a lot of retro feel. I mean, you have Taylor Swift that does did her whole album with a with like homage to the 80s music. Um, right. Bruno kind of has a Michael Jackson type feel from the 80s mm-hmm. in at least his performances. Um, but uh, other than that, there's not too many that do a real good feel from like retro. Well, what about this at 88? In 1988, who was the, like, biggest high-energy singer? You you want to grab a star from that era and now make them the retro star? Exactly. 
Well, what about, though, because, I mean, thinking about, because it's funny, like, I don't think from the first movie, because, again, like, Harry Belafonte released that stuff in, like, the 60s, so that was not, like, people weren't listening to Deo and stuff like that in 88 until this movie came out. So it's kind of like, what if one of, because I feel like people would appreciate some form of a, like, homage to the original one so like if one of the first like tortures or whatever you were going to call it like that they're doing to the the ex-boyfriend is something like they did with deo where it was you know there was making him sing but instead it's like that you could use let the bodies hit the well i i I think think we've already got it it's rick astley it is to sing call me maybe it's it's totally torture to him do you hear this, Jeff? We're talking. This is Rick Astley. The There's number your number four top song from 1988. Never gonna give you up, Rick Astley. Dude, <laughs> they are Perfect. totally gonna eternally Rickroll him. Yeah, and no, and, and they, that's what it is. Is they're they're, they're constantly forcing <laughs> him. He Rickrolls everybody in his life, in his professional life. He'll be in a business meeting, and all of a sudden, Beetlejuice possesses him, and he's Rickrolling <laughs> people. <laughs> Wouldn't that, that be would awesome? Be so awesome! Never gonna let you down. Oh, that would be wonderful. Oh, that's it. That's the mod. That's Winter, the that's modern it. day version. That of, is of the, the one. Yeah. <laughs> I that's, knew it. I knew we'd figure it out. <laughs> Let's get some promo items. Any sort of merchandising exploits we can do. Any big companies that can help pay for this movie. Yeah. Meds I mean, warehouse. <laughs> Meds warehouse. <laughs> they sell their their special Beetlejuice suits. Right now, I feel yeah. like, and and Adam, you you you're more the expert on this than I am, but I get the feeling that they didn't start marketing Beetlejuice to children back in '88 until the cartoon came out. Well, surprisingly, yeah. they actually did uh, produce a line of of action figures. I owned quite a few uh, that came out just just after the movie came out. It was in the '89 90 time frame, and they were based on the film. Like they had and. It was, it was not uh, not my my last, but it was my first Alec Baldwin action figure. <laughs> and and his, his special action feature was that the head would slide down the arm. Like, it was oh, like, nice. it was really weird. Like, I was like, I don't remember this from the film. Plus, he had a red Apes. baseball hat turned backwards. Huh. It was the weirdest <laughs> toy, but he had the checkered shirt and all that. Yeah. But, and then, like, each one of them, like, all, like, the Beetlejuice toys, because, of course, there was, like, five versions of Beetlejuice, is you would pull right. Off the head, and there was a shrunken head beneath it. So, like, <laughs> yes. the real head was shrunken, and then wow. it had like a head shell over the top. And they even had do you guys remember those like the magic tricks you could buy where you'd like put a, put a coin in this little plastic slot and then you pull it back out and it was gone? They had that, but oh, it yeah. was it was a Beetlejuice bed. So like Beetle, you would put the Beetlejuice figure inside this creepy old bed, and then he'd pull it out and he'd dis- have disappeared. Like so, like they they definitely had the action figures back then. But I feel like now this would be like Spencer's gifts and Hot Topic. One of them, they'd battle over it. I'm sure probably Hot Topic would win. Yeah. But they would have their exclusive line of Beetlejuice action figures, probably by McFarlane Toys. You know, just giving you the yeah. super detailed sure. style. Yeah. Anything by Burton, yeah, that is a big seller. Yeah. Although I, I, I was thinking you were gonna say uh, if you're talking like Spencer's gifts and all that sort of stuff like that, that then you get like more, I don't know, adult themed memorabilia or something. Yeah, like shot that. glasses Where, and all. Shot glasses. Well, stuff. not only that, I mean like full on like just. I mean I don't know if it's really merchandising, but like Justin was saying, is that already you can buy the the Beetlejuice suit at you know Halloween stores, but then it would be you know off the charts if the movie came out yeah you'd have high quality 
reality yeah. versions of it through right. yeah. through specialized like an actual suit. Yeah, yeah. But, and I, but I I feel like they would still do some because this is one of those things where parents, I mean, not knowing about the suicide angle that we're throwing in there, yeah. would be would be bringing their kids. Like, oh, I love Beetlejuice when I was a kid. They'd be bringing them to see it. So I feel like they would market to children also. And my idea is like for some of the toys that they would put out there, there would be like a, uh, a stretch. I, I call it the stretch and stink Beetlejuice, which is like a stretch Armstrong, <laughs> but, it's, but it smells like skunk or wow. something. Like the, the skunk. Yeah, I, I don't think you'll get very many parents to buy that. <laughs> yeah. You'd think... Hey, Except they they did actually have was it a tra- no not a transformer Masters of it the Universe a, Stinkor yes, sti- I had that that was the worst toy ever but <laughs> people bought it because that's it's, what wow. I'm saying and then you throw Stretch Armstrong into the mix bring him back again and then the other one I had was flying sandworms because they'd probably when they go to the you know to the land of the dead there they probably would run into some sandworms somewhere sure. and but they'd be like the elastic things you know where you just kind of like stretch it back and then it launches you oh, know kind of like them. Yeah, nice. you fling them. Or what oh. if they had a barrel of monkeys? They had barrel of sandworms. Yeah, yes. that'd be awesome. Yeah, and then yeah. and then like I had another one that was a Beetlejuice rock and snot, which is like gack, you know, like the, so it's like the slime stuff. <laughs> do they still do stuff like that? I no, like but that's, that's more. It's time to bring it back. Oh, it's gonna bring sliming. It back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was thinking, and maybe not necessarily like a merchandising thing, but more of a fad thing is that like. I could see it becoming like I mean people have done planking and people have done uh, uh, um, flash mobs. I could see Rick Astley like that could be a thing where in the middle of you know something someone just breaks out into never gonna let you down like that. Could so be a so thing. The, the live Rick roll becomes an internet <laughs> sensation. That is a thing again. A sequel to to Rick rolling. To Rick rolling. <laughs> live Rick rolling. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thanks to Beetlejuice. Everybody forgets the film. It does terribly, but they remember live Rickrolling. <laughs> okay, so also with like the merchandising thing, like we are talking, it's 2015 now. How are we getting Xbox, PS4? How are we getting everybody involved here? Are we doing video games? Are we doing spinoff? Well, I, I had a video game concept. Uh, mine was more based in like the mid 90s, but I was seeing it as almost kind of like an Earthworm Jim style thing where in my scenario, he was running around collecting musical instruments to put his band back together. Because I mean, you're not going to have the video game with, with the multiple suicide attempts like, you know, playing yeah. out. That's just not going to go over well. So you I mean, have you to adapt. Uh, Beetlejuice rock band. Yeah, yeah that was there what you I was go. Thinking. Yeah, exactly. So even with that, it could be more of the video game could be kind of the story filler of what happened with part of yeah, the story. Yeah, there you go. So yeah. it's, it's associated with the movie. It's part of the official family of the movies, but it's something we don't have to cover in the movie. Yeah. So it fills yeah. in the gap. Yes. There you go. Definitely fills in the gap. So okay. it could be, yeah. yeah, it could be the Beetlejuice's rock and roll adventure, something, whatever, or, you know, yeah. you know Guitar Hero. Maybe that's what it is. Because, I mean, like, Guitar Hero is kind of falling by the wayside now, right? It's yeah. coming back on the new system. Oh, is it? And okay. It's Guitar Hero Live. I, yeah. I don't know exactly know what the live is, but I, I don't want people to watch me doing that. Yeah. <laughs> 
But I think it should be an innovation where it is a mix of Guitar Hero and a platform video game. So you kind of go in between. So in certain sequences, you have to play a song to, to beat the boss. And, nice. the, and then the other part of it is that, you know, you're just doing the standard run so, and jump. So we're going a little uh, devil went down to Georgia with some of these bosses. <laughs> yeah. I think exactly. it'd be hilarious if you're like <laughs> playing guitar, you're doing rock hero, you're playing with your whole, all of your friends, and then you have to sit down and do a <laughs> player game while everybody just just watches. <laughs> Are we gonna do another song? Just hang on. <laughs> two more hours. Two more hours, guys. Exactly. Uh, this, yeah, you do a full concert at the end. Yeah. Well, we could we could bring it back to the old land parties where you got to bring in your friends yes. and hook up a couple <laughs> systems, and then everybody's got their instruments so that when you get to certain parts, it's got to be the full band. But you can play through as each you're, you're each a different character running through this. Oh, nice! Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, yeah. That that would definitely be because platformers, especially movie based platformers, don't seem to go over terribly big. Like its era was the '90s, um, but something like that, it might be a, a colossal failure but it would be colossal it, it would be unique <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying you know, we're breaking new ground for better or for worse we yeah, tried the most it. unique failure ever yeah, yeah exactly yeah, it'll be on a list in 20 years you know the most unique failures of 2015 <laughs> yeah. uh, like the fantastic four movie reboot Ooh. oh, oh man Hey-oh. i still want to see it i still want to see it haven't seen it i saw it i've heard it was awful awful too. awful awful Anyway, Beetlejuice is one of my favorite movies. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, again, I think we've really uh, gotten down to it. I've put some good stuff together. I'm looking forward to seeing Beetlejuice, too, at this point. Just want to let you guys know that, additionally, uh, you know, you can check out the blog. We're going to have some great things there. But over on RetroDays.org, there also is going to be a a Beetlejuice retrospective article that you could check out. So that'll be by Hoju Coolander, my, uh, my alias over there. So... I want to invite you over there to, uh, to check it out. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice! It's showtime! We thank you for joining us for this episode of Sequel Quest P.O.D. We hope you'll return next time when we discuss another film that never was. For more made-up movie fun, visit SequelQuestPod.com to see the schedule of films to be discussed in upcoming episodes, fan art submissions, and more. Follow us on Twitter at SQPod and share your ideas on our Facebook page. The films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest POD are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended. As we wrap today's episode... Until next time, Beetlejuice. Jeff. Oh, wait, I thought Justin was second. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) This is going swimmingly. Do we need me to cue that up again? Yes, please. Please keep this in. (laughs) I'm not kidding. And that's a wrap. (laughs) Money in the bank.